0: Good morning, Southeast family. How are we today? So glad that I can be here and can share today. We are continuing our series return, talking about getting back to the basics. And so far this year, we've talked about generosity. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about getting into the word. And I'm so excited that For the next three weeks, we get to talk about worship. I love worship. I love worship. It's a passion of mine, and it's something that I have grown up with for just about my entire life. I grew up in a church. I was a pastor's kid, and so I lived at church. And when I was very young. They put a guitar in my hands, and they said, here, learn this. You obviously have a a passion around it, so we feel like you should learn how to play this. And uh, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was leading worship in our church. And if you were to come to me and you were to say, hey, here's my sixth grader. They've been practicing how to play the guitar. They know how to sing. If you were to come up to me and say, here, let's have them lead worship, I would say, you're absolutely crazy. (laughs) But someone took a chance on me. And uh, I'll share a little bit of more of my story later on. Before we dive into the message, I just have a picture I want to throw up on the screen. That is my family. That is my wife, Jordan. We've been married for six years now. And uh, Pearson is four years old. And that little guy there is now six months old, so the picture's already dated. He looks very different than he does now. And I am the proud dad of baby Jesus. If you were here for Christmas, that was baby Jesus. It was a real baby. And we crossed our fingers every service that he was not going to ruin the moment. And I I may be biased, but I think he did a great job. I think he did a great job. And I have the wonderful opportunity to be the band pastor here at Southeast, and basically what that means is I get the uh, the privilege of leading all of our musicians. And uh, can we just give it up for the team that was on this morning? What? What? Here's what you. Here's what you may not know: the majority of the people that were on stage today are volunteers. They don't get a paycheck. To stand on this platform and to lead us into worship. But they are so devoted to giving their absolute best every single week. And so it is such an honor to work alongside them. And I I may be biased, but they're some of the best. Do you agree? Do you agree? So today, diving into worship. We all worship something. Something. We were created for worship, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit. So, I just want us to take a couple of minutes to look at a couple of pictures of worship to really get a sense of what worship is and what it could be hands lifted, people singing loudly, giving God what He deserves. We can keep going. We can just cycle through. And I love that. Let's pause right here. What I love is that all of those pictures of our of our church family, a church family that's devoted to worshiping God for who He is, with everything that we have. Let's keep going. If we're not careful, it can turn into this. Because we were all designed to worship something. Next one. And I just had to throw this one in there (laughs) because of the week that it is. And so that I don't just have 50% of you mad at me. I love this Commanders fan. Over there. If we're not careful, we can focus on the wrong thing because we all worship something. Everybody does. Everybody has something that gets their time, their money, their expression, their admiration. Worship is our response to what we value most. And you can tell what somebody worships by the amount of time, money, expression, that they give to it. And by the way, you can have things that you love, that you give your time, your money, your expression to. But what God asks of us is that nothing will get prioritized over him. He says, you shall have no other gods before me because God wants to be first in our lives. And so to get an idea of how God designed us for worship, Today I want to talk about the first worshipper to get a picture of why God designed us for worship. So who was the first worshipper? If you've been in church any length of time, you know that there are three named angels in the Bible. By the way, these are the three things that we've been talking about most recently in our series this year. And they're the three areas that we include in every service that happens here at Southeast. The three named angels are Michael, the angel of prayer. And we see that in Daniel 10. And you can look that up in your own time and see that. And we have the angel Gabriel, who's always delivering a word. He's the one that delivers the message to Mary. And then we have Lucifer, the named angel over worship. And I love that here at Southeast, we have all three of those areas designed, woven into the footprint of our entire service. We have worship, we have prayer, and we have the word. And so today I'm going to teach on a couple of places in the Old Testament and a couple places in the New Testament where we see the role that Lucifer had. And the first is in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and the second in Ezekiel 28. So we're gonna go to Isaiah 14 first. And if you read, if you have a paper Bible, you may see that the title is that this is written to the king of Babylon. That's what the heading says. But if you look closely, I would submit to you that it's more likely written to the spirit that's within the king of Babylon. So let's read that together. Isaiah 14, chapter 12. It says, how you are fallen from heaven O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. Now, many scholars or theologians believe that this event takes place between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And the Bible doesn't say specifically, so it is just that. It is just a theory. It's a thought process of when this may have happened. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Just a thought to ponder what was the darkness that was over the face of the deep? Isaiah 14, reading on in verse 13. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God and I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. And that's why we must be very careful about what we worship. Because if we're not careful what we're actually doing, is the exact same thing that Lucifer did before he was cast out of heaven. Isaiah 14 says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Again, many scholars believe that Lucifer didn't just play an instrument, but he was an instrument. The second place is mentioned in Ezekiel, written to the king of Tyre. And again, it's most likely written to the king or the spirit that's within the king of Tyre. So let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 28, where it says, son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, You were in Eden, the garden of God. And right there we see that the king of Tyre wasn't actually in Eden, the garden, but who was? Lucifer. And it says, every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. And I was preparing for this message and Tom came into my office and I was sharing a little bit of this and he goes, wow, that's amazing. But did you know that that was also what was chosen to be and instructed to be in the garments of the high priest? So not only do we have Lucifer who has these precious stones in him But once he's cast out of heaven, the high priest has these stones in his garment as well. And you can read about that in Exodus 28. And reading on, it says, The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. Timbrels are basically just symbols. So not only was Lucifer strings, but he was timbrels, he was symbols. And he was pipes. Those are the three types of instruments that we have. There are three types of instruments in every band, in every orchestra. We have stringed instruments your violins, your violas, your cello. You have your percussion, drums, cymbals. And you have your wind instruments, all of your horns. Lucifer was all three of those built into him. He was designed that way. Not only did he have all three of those instruments in him, but Ezekiel 28 in chapter 14, it says that you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. God ordained an anointed music He put an anointing on music. And that's why music has such great power. And I would argue with you that that's how God designed it to be. He designed music to have great power. And that's why if we're not careful, we can underestimate the power of music. On both the bad side and the good, I'm not telling you how to live your life. But I really do feel that now in the day and age that we live in, we have to be very careful about what music we invite into our lives. Because in the same way that God designed music to have such great power for good, for us to be able to worship him, the enemy can use that same power of music and he can distort it. And he can turn it into something that will wreck us if we're not careful. Continuing on, it says, you were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. Lucifer traded something that was created by God and was to be used only for God, and he traded it to be used for something else. It says, So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you were corrupted, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made, you a spect- I made a spectacle of you before kings. And we have where Jesus talks about that in Luke 10, where he says, I was there, I saw it happen. And I would submit to you that it was probably one of the worst action movies you could ever try and create. Because behind every good action movie there's a bad guy and there's a good guy and they fight it out for a couple of hours and sometimes the bad guy wins and sometimes the good guy wins depending on if there's to be a sequel. <laughs> and they want to make more money. But in Luke 10 it says that it happened like lightning. Boom. Done. God cast him out to the earth. Done. Done. It was as fast as that. It'd be the worst movie. It'd be cool, obviously, because the good guy wins, and it means so much for us, but barely have a bite of popcorn before you could get to the end of the movie. So now there's a new vacancy in the role of worship. And what I want to wrestle with today is, why did God not put another angel in the role of worship leader. Who is the new worship leader? Well, it's you. And it's me. And it's not just the people that we put on the platform to lead us in worship. Because we all worship something. You and I are the new worship leaders. It was an angel job that he didn't find an angel replacement for. God could have. He could have named another angel and said, Here you are. You're the new angel of worship. But he doesn't. In fact, God designed you and me with the same three instruments that Lucifer had right here in your neck. You have two strings called vocal cords that God very intentionally placed right here in your in your throat. And he filled your lungs with breath so that you could sing with wind. What about percussion? Well he gave us hands. Right here we have our own percussion instrument. God designed you with all three of the instruments that he designed within Lucifer. So you were designed for worship. And the question is, are you doing it? And if so, because I believe we're all worshiping something, are you worshiping the correct thing? So today I want to talk about three points, if we're going to take seriously, the role that we play as the new worship leaders. And so today I'm going to go through how, why, and what is our response. First is how. God made me from him. And to create something is to form something out of nothing. In Genesis 1 verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. There was no light before. There was no idea of light. There was nothing, and now there was. He created something from nothing. The second is to form something out of something. In Genesis 1 verse 11, he says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. He took the dirt and he sprouted up plants from them. Why? Because he wanted there to be a relationship with the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. So he made trees from the dirt. They're sustained by the dirt. And one day they will return to dirt. And the same is true with Adam and Eve. God created Adam and then he made Eve out of Adam because he wanted there to be a relationship between the two. Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Why? Because he wanted us to be made from him, sustained by him, and one day we'll return to him. And I know what you're thinking. We were made from the dust. And you're correct. Our body was made from the dust. And it's sustained by the dust. And one day we return to dust. But not our spirit. Our spirit was made by God, It's sustained by God. And one day we will return to God. That's the how. Why? Because God made me to be with him. God never wanted there to be a religion or an institution. He wanted a relationship with you. As I mentioned earlier... I grew up in in the church. I was at the church literally six or seven days a week throughout my entire life. And I accepted Jesus into my life when I was very young. And I could still, even though I was probably only five, could tell you where I was and what it meant to me. I was baptized when I was a little bit older and understood more what Jesus had done for me on the cross. But even though I was raised in the church, I was constantly in church. It wasn't until I was a junior in high school that I understood what it was like to have a relationship with God. When I was a junior in high school, I was driving down the road. I was listening to a song that we were getting ready to do. and As a musician, listening, I don't recommend listening to the song for the first time when you're driving to church. To play the song is not really wise, but that's what I was doing. I Don't recommend that. And there was a part in the song where the person leading the song says... that there are people listening to this that have never experienced the presence of God. The thick, tangible presence of God. You may know about God. You may even have a relationship with him, but you've never experienced God's presence. And today God's gonna change that. He's gonna pour out his presence over you. And that was the first time that I remember God's love pouring out. I had to pull over. I couldn't drive at that point. It was very unwise. That was the first time that I really remember having an encounter with the creator of the universe. Who wanted to know me. And wanted me to know him in a way that I never had before. And there have been many times since where I've had encounters with the presence of God, both in worship, just in daily life. And it always takes me back to the very first time that I encountered the love of God and his presence washed over me. And I would submit to you today that God wants that with you. God wants that with you. He wants a relationship with you. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 31, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And we use this scripture a lot in weddings, but if you take a look at the next verse, you can see that he's not actually talking about marriage in the same way that we use the verse 4. He actually tees it up, and then he switches on us. And in the next verse, he says, and this is a profound mystery, but I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. God's saying, I would sure love to have that with you. What we see as a marriage between man and wife, God wants that with you. And we as humans have an idea that one day we're gonna be up in heaven, we're gonna be sitting on the clouds, we're gonna be playing the harp. And guys, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like heaven to me. That actually sounds a lot like hell. (laughs) So next I wanna talk about what is going to happen. Well, God's gonna put out his arm. And the capital C church is going to be returned to Jesus in a wedding ceremony where, there, where the two will become one again and will be united forever. And after the wedding, there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb and Revelation talks about it in chapter 19. And we read in verse six and it says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty returns. Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Moving on to chapter 21. In verse 9 it says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven plagues and spoke to me saying, Come and I will show you the bride. The wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down from the heavens. And in verse 19, he talks about the place that he's preparing for us. He says, The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone the stones that he had stripped from lucifer when he fell god has been holding on to them from genesis all the way to revelation and not only does he have the high priest represent that but because of what jesus did for on the cross for us on the cross he's now preparing a place for us with the exact same stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jason, and the twelfth amethyst. He designed us to worship him with strings and wind, and percussion. And he adorns us. And that's the why. Because he's in love with you and me. And he wants a relationship. So last is our response. God made me from him to be with him so that I could love him back. John chapter four, verse 23 says, but the hour is coming and is now here for for when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Worship is a created word. There just wasn't an English word for the Greek word worship. And so worship in the Greek is proskuneo, I'm going to have them wait to put up the definition because, to be honest, us in the Western world don't like the definition because it makes us feel uncomfortable. But do you know what it is? It's to kiss. Or more accurately, to kiss the hand like a dog licking the hand of its master. It's to honor in the same way that a dog jumps up to kiss your hand. That's the word that we created for worship. In our family, we have a dog. His name is Griffin. And to be honest, we got him a little bit too soon after we had put our last dog down. Because Griffin drives us crazy. He's young, he's learning, he counter-surfs. And our other dog didn't do that. But whenever we get home from anywhere, before we walk into the house, when we're out in the garage, we can hear Griffin. He's barking, he's howling, he's waiting for us to come into the house so he can greet us. And then when you go inside... He's so excited to see you that he runs back and forth, up and down the stairs, wagging his tail, jumping up on you, muddy paws and all, licking your hand, howling, barking. You know what he's saying? He's home. He's home, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. He's home, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. And that's the word By the way, a cat will never do that, by the way. (laughs) You don't own cats. They own you, and that's okay. That's why I will never have a cat. (laughs) Going back to John chapter 4, it says that this is what the Father seeks. He's seeking such people to worship him. He's seeking. He's home, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. He's home, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait to come to church. And I want to be in the front row. He's home, he's home, he's home. Because God wants to have an encounter with you, He wants you. And you're no different. Just think about if you were to come home from a long trip and you're in the airport. You're all by yourself. There's absolutely no one there to greet you when you get there. Everybody else has family and friends and balloons and excitement and you're just there by yourself. Baggage claim. There's nobody to hug you. Nobody there to greet you. Think about that. Now contrast that with you get home from a trip, you're in the airport, and there's a whole host of people there with balloons and flowers, and they're there to greet you at baggage claim because they're so excited that you're home. Which one would you like best? The answer is simple. It's because God designed you in his image. He wants a relationship with you. He wants your worship. So I have a couple implications. And I know that I'm gonna shock everybody by only having three. <laughs> My take is Jesus spoke in points of three, why would I add a fourth? just kidding kidding. it's because I only had three okay I'm not clever enough to come up with a fourth implication number one God created us from him and he specifically designed you and me in his image in his likeness Implication number two, God created us to be with him. Implication number three, God created us to love him back. But ultimately he gave you and me a choice. He didn't force it upon us. And it was all made possible by what Jesus did for us on the cross. He made it possible for us to have a relationship with him. The veil was torn and it opened up the space for us to be with him. So as we move into communion and a time of worship, I wanna invite you to reflect on what God did for you. And what is our response going to be? And what I don't want is for us to let this moment pass us by. I promise you that it's only 10 o'clock we've created space whatever plans you have after this they can wait in fact can I challenge you if this is normally the part of the service where we just get up and move upon our day can I challenge you today can we make the choice his presence and give him the worship that he deserves. God's not going to force it on you because he gives you the choice. So I'm begging you actually, don't get up, don't leave. What would happen if we would just say, God, I just want you and nothing else. What would your week look like if instead of listening to whatever it is you listen to on your way to work, your way home from work, if you were to turn on worship music instead, God, today is yours. I'm yours. I want you, and I want nothing else. And if you don't know where to start or where to look, please email me, Aaron.Smith at SoutheastCC.org. I'll send you some stuff. Because God wants you. Take a few moments to reflect before we take communion together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. It's for you whenever you eat of this bread do it in remembrance of me let's take the bread in the same way he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant of my blood whenever you drink this cup do it in remembrance of me God, I thank you for your presence in this place today. God, today we choose you and we give honor to you. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for choosing us. God, because you gave everything for us even when we don't deserve it we deserve nothing but you gave God, we give back worship to you today Holy Spirit would you come and have your way We thank you for your presence. And we give you permission to come and do what only you can do in these next few moments that we have together. And it's all because of what Jesus did for us.